And it doesn't really matter what level of position you want to take that in. If you're a father in the home or a boss at the work or elder or deacon at church or whatever. A leader. What is a leader? And our tendency when we look in our passages of Second Timothy and Titus is to see the qualifications with quotation marks for elders and deacons. And we believe that those become a list that if they don't meet that criteria, well, they should, they should never become a leader. And while on one hand that's true, perhaps, and maybe even even in a greater sense, it's a list of characteristics that you and I are supposed to follow as well. Because in our life, we are to be a leader no matter what title we may wear. Does that make sense to you? Let's look at our passages first. Well, before we do that, let's go to our memory verse. I've jumped way past that, didn't I? Yeah, Jeff, can you throw that back up? Great. Hebrews 13, 9. Let's stand. Let's read together. Don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not foods, through those... Go ahead and finish. I can't. I can't see it all. I'm sitting down. That's okay. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. Be seated. Thank you. <laughs> I, I was too hesitant. I should have had you stay seated so I could read up there with you. Now, Second Timothy, chapter three, verse sixteen. There's some things I want you to see here. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. For reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now you should just cursory reading of that verse learn three or four things. Number one is there's nothing new. So when people say to you, I've received a new revelation. Or you may hear that in the media. Because he says, all Scripture. So it's it's all been taken care of. And then, not only has all the Scripture been presented to us, but it's been presented by one authoritative figure. And who is it? That's it. God. God is the one who has taught us and given us all Scripture. You don't have to worry about what Oprah says or what so-and-so says or what whoever says. God said it. Not only did He say it, I love this, I love the way this is put. It says He breathed. He breathed out. Scripture. Wouldn't it be great in your life that breaths that you took had a lace of Scripture with every breath that you took? Well, guess what? When you're reading the Word of God, you're breathing the very breath of God. Amen? Amen? Isn't that awesome? Stop and think about that. 
Now, there's four things that are mentioned there. We'll get to them in a little bit later. But I want you to see them. Teaching, reproof, correction, righteousness. And then verse 17. Really important. Because 17 says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I try to read. I'm not an avid reader. But I like I'm trying to read more. I, 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 I'm having a hard word to even say I like to read, but I'm having a hard time reading. But I do like to, I, to to gain information. That's the key, as I want to look for information. But I'm kind of like Maddie. I kind of like to get it now, quick, fast. I like the cliff notes. That's. But I ran across some articles this week in my in my preparation that uh, just really struck me. I'd kind of heard statements like this, but I hadn't the name verification until I found these. Here's one from a USA Today article in April of this year, written by Oliver Thomas. He was a retired Baptist minister. Now, Oliver Thomas said this, Churches will continue hemorrhaging members until we face the truth. Being a faithful Christian does not mean accepting everything the Bible teaches. And a paragraph or so later, he makes fun of Christians who use that phrase, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. You ever, ever heard that statement? Maybe you use it yourself? Is that not a, is that not an interesting statement that Thomas would make? Churches are going to keep hemorrhaging until we accept the truth that the, the Bible, it doesn't mean everything? What's he getting to? Well, I ran across another one in an interview with um, Nicholas Kristof that was published in the New York Times. Uh, a person named Serene Jones, I believe it's a woman. I, I should have checked that. I didn't, but I apologize. Serene Jones, she's the president of the Union Theological Seminary. And that particular seminary was founded on the infallible word of God is one of the statements of the seminary. She said this, I find the virgin birth a bizarre claim. And when we asked what happens when people die, she said, I don't know. There may be something. There may be nothing. My faith is not tied to some divine promise about the afterlife. God is beyond our knowing. I don't worship an all-powerful, all-controlling, omnipotent being. Then what do you follow? And why do you follow it? I want a God who not only died for me, but showed me how to live again. I want to follow a God that can rise from the dead. Any of them can die and go and be buried. I got it. Plenty of those. I want the one that can rise and you can't find him anymore. Hallelujah. That's Easter Sunday. Yep, here we go. Right? No, that's every Sunday for you and me, right? Every day for you and me.
the book of Judges, in chapter 21 and verse 25, I think I have the verse up ready on the, on the screen. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's the last verse of, of Judges. Time and time again, during this time of history in Israel's history, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Does that not sound like 2019? And when was that written? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, that was written last week, wasn't it? You see, God knew. God knows. All Scripture, He knows. So as a leader in your life, because see, actually, ultimately, you are just a leader of your own life. As a leader of your own life, you've got to understand that God has this thing, and you need to put your hands in His hands. Now be sure and write this down in your outlines. There's, there's the first blank to fill in. What you believe about the Bible will determine your beliefs and your behavior. What you believe about the Bible will determine. Isn't it true? It is true. It is true. If you grew up on the King James Version, you're going to always believe that the King James Version is the only version. <laughs> it's okay. If you didn't grow up on that, you don't believe that, it's okay. Because the same Jesus is found in both the King James and the non-King James Bible. Amen? He is. Trust me. I don't trust you, preacher. Okay, then go. Okay, got it. Find him. He's there. Got to be careful. Because what you believe determines your beliefs and behavior. And, it, and then our actions begin to reflect that, do they not? Do we stumble? When you became a Christian, did you have you walked since that time? Have you walked a life that has never stumbled since you became a, a Christian and God saved your heart. Have you ever, have you still stumbled, made a mistake? I hope you'll say yes like this. Most of you are just, you're going this way. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> See, because we're not perfect, are we? We have not attained it yet. But the Bible is the most reliable source from which a leader can determine how they lead and how they control and take care of their life. But you've got to let the Bible penetrate here. Okay? First Thessalonians 2.13. Uh, Jeff, do I have that verse too? Okay. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which, was, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as of what is, it is, really is. The word of God, which is at work in you as believers. So when you accept the word as God's word, it begins to go to work in us. Ever wondered why Bible-believing Christians declare God as their creator? That all of us are sinners. That marriage is between one man and one woman. That Jesus is the only way to heaven. 
that He was crucified, raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, and that He's coming again. You ever wonder why we quote those phrases, preach those phrases, teach those phrases, and that style of life? It's because the Bible teaches us to teach that. It is not a compromise. They are not suggestions. We are to adhere to what God has called us to do. You know, growing up, when your mom and dad would tell you to do something, it was smarter to go do it than it was to not, because there was a penalty to pay on the backside if you didn't. Okay, got it. And then, in time, you learned, I should probably go ahead and go do that. Same thing with God. You can keep trying your way, but it's not going to work. You've got to stay true and faithful to the Word of God. Now, why should you trust the Bible? Well, I want to give you ten, ten reasons. Number one, and real quick, I'm going to try to rattle these off real quick. It has unpopular, uh, unparalleled popularity. In my study this week, I found this list put together. I was, was just amazed at the clarity of it. Unparalleled popularity. Best-selling book of all time. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. More copies printed in more languages, read by more people. We support a young couple in Vanuatu who are doing the very thing that we're encouraging you to do today. Let the Word of God impact you. They're translating Vanuatu language into the Bible so that the people can come to God. Is that not awesome? Our little church in Jinx is reaching all the way across the world to do that. It's awesome. Craig and Katie Bennett, they're on Facebook. Uh, Look them up. Follow them. It's just amazing what God's doing with them. Secondly, worldwide influence. Ronald Reagan, back in 1983, was going to declare 1983 as the year of the Bible to get people to read the Bible. And in 1982, in October, they passed a resolution uh, to uh, declare the Bible as the Word of God. And here's part of the resolution. It says, The President is authorized and requested to designate 1983 as a national year of the Bible in recognition of both the formative influence the Bible has been on our nation and our national need to study and apply the teaching of the Holy Scripture. Man, we need that again. (laughs) We sure need that again. Number three, manuscript evidence. We may not possess the original manuscripts of the Bible. The Jews were very careful how they made copies of the Old Testament, the scholars, and so forth. Over 5,300 complete manuscripts of the New Testament. Over 8,000 partial manuscripts go back dating within a century of the original writings of Scripture. There's only five manuscripts for anything that Aristotle wrote. And the first complete uh, copy of Homer's Odyssey is dated 2,200 years after it was written. And the Bible has much more reliability than that. And evidence. Number four is, has a unique wonder or a unique awe. A-W-E. I like that word awe.
you remember when you first read the stories of the Bible and all of a sudden your mind just began to explode into the story as to, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that's that awe I'm talking about. When the Holy Spirit can, can just get you. And you're reading and you're going, wow. Oh. Because you know, you're going to get a couple of hits. And, you know. But the bottom line is, it's just going to open up to you in a way you're going to go, wow. The awe of it all. The majesty of it all. One of my favorite passages in Isaiah chapter 6, the first few verses, where Isaiah is trying to describe being in the throne room of God. If you've never read that, go back and read it this afternoon. It would be an awesome devotional time for you. Because he's drawn into the throne room of God. And it's just, it's just oh, he's overwhelmed with what he sees and what he's experiencing. And then number five is that unity of message. Written in three languages, on three continents, by 40 authors, over a span of 1,500 years. And yet the message is, God loves you. God died for you. God rose from the, for the dead for you. And God's coming back to get us. That's the message. Genesis to Revelation. It's there. Isn't that awesome? That's the unity of Scripture, all Scripture. We got it. Number six, fulfilled prophecy. A lot of people can get tripped up with prophecy. Well, I want to know, is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? Just trust it. It is going to happen. And just run the journey. Run the walk. Walk the walk. Stay on the journey. Don't get. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. When it looks bleak, when it looks dark, don't stop. Don't stop. And there's plenty of things in your life that will cause you to take your focus off the things that you should be focused on. Don't let it happen. And it could, I can put a blank there. You put in that blank what it is that's creating the, the, the lack of focus. It could be a health. It could be finances. It could be job. It could be relationships. It could be, I, I don't know. But I do know this. He's coming. And He can handle it. And whatever it is that you're facing or I'm facing, He can handle it. He's shown us in Scripture in Old Testament. He's shown us in the New Testament. And He's continuing to show you on a day-to-day basis how much He loves you and cares for you. Every day. Amen? Number seven, archaeological confirmation. Now, these aren't very glamorous, all these things I'm, I'm reading off to you, but, but they're important to understand. They're a list that, that you need. So when somebody says, so why do you trust the Bible? Boom, you can rip this right out and just tell them, well, right here, man, my preacher told me. <laughs> okay? And, and it's almost uncanny how time after time after time people will say, well, this doesn't exist, this never happened. And then they'll unearth something in the Middle East that verifies the Bible. Time after time after time after time after time. I never will forget when they found Solomon's uh, stables. They were amazed when they unearthed Solomon's stables. 
and how ornate they were. Well, sure they were. The guy was king. He owned everything. I'd have a stable like that too, wouldn't you? Mine probably had a jacuzzi too, but I don't know if they found that or not. Number eight, scientifically accurate. Three, ver- three verses I want to show you, or, or at least mention to you. We're going to run out of time. The Bible speaks about science. It says that the earth is a sphere in, in Isaiah 40 and verse 22. It was not discovered until the 15th century, though. Job 26.7 says the earth is suspended in space. Well, Isaac Newton discovered that in 1687. Genesis 15.5 says the stars are innumerable. I love to go out into the country. I'm not a country person, but when, when I'm out in the country... It's like a church camp when you're away from the city lights and all that. It seems like there's more stars. Is that is it just me or is that true? That's where you used to live out there in the country. You did, right by the church camp, as a matter of fact. And yet in the city you don't necessarily see as many as you do when you're out in the in the countryside. Well, were they never there? No, they're always there. But they are innumerable, aren't they? It's amazing how many. So there's a lot of scientific accuracy in the Bible. Number nine, power to change lives. You and I know that because you and I are living it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what it does. That's what the Word of God is. And all Scripture that we mentioned earlier. I'm going to get back to it. Hang on. Number 10, bears witness of Christ. John 5.39, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and that it is they that bear witness about me. Never forget that the Bible is as important as it is, is never as important as it will be when it points you to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only reason why you need to be in the Word of God. And when you find Him, when you find Him, now we're going to go back to our two verses. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testament of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Come back to our first verse, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now that word profitable, we like that word. It's a great word. When your financial planner calls you and says, you've had a profitable month, that's a good thing. Amen? You like it. When you open your, your bank account and you look at it, and you see more in there than was in there, you go, that's been a profitable month. And when they say the Wall Street crashes or whatever, and you look in there and it's not, it's, that's not fun. That's not good. <laughs> we want profitable. So does God. God paid a price for you. He needs a return on the investment. Correct? Give it to him. Well, I, I, I don't know where to start, preacher. I don't know where to start. Great, I'm glad you asked. Because he tells you four ways to start. He says right here, teaching provides content 
content so we know what's right. So as I'm reading, as I'm studying, as I'm absorbing all Scripture, it's teaching me. Teaching me. Providing me. Secondly, it says for reproof. Reproof brings conviction. Because you've got to know what's not right. It's not enough to say, stop. Now you've got to know why stop. If there's a fire going, you don't go reach in the fire and grab a log, do you? Somebody tries to stop you to do it. Now, some, you may try to do that. <laughs> well, hopefully somebody will stop you and, and, and not let you do that. Because if you reach in and grab a hot piece of wood that's on fire, you're going to be on fire. And not a good, in a good way. So somebody loved you enough to stop you from doing that. Okay. That's what conviction does. That's the Holy Spirit. You remember that time when you're thinking, should I do this or should I not do this? And all of a sudden, you're even asking the question. That should be the trigger that says, don't do that. That should be the trigger that says, don't do that. When your heart and your mind says, wait a minute, wait a minute, you've got a conflict, stop. And if we'll do that, then... <laughs> we'll see that then also Scripture helps us with correction. Because when we're corrected, we know how to do right things. I'm not going to touch that hot fire. Okay. Why? Because it'll burn you. Okay. Now I know. Next time I see a hot fire, I don't even go over and try to touch it. Makes sense. Unless you're like me, and I wouldn't probably... I've got a scar on my hand that I... God, I know I touched a hot stove that my mother told me not to touch. That's why I have a scar on my hand. Nobody can tell me that, but I'm, I'm going to assume that. It makes my story fit better. And then lastly is the training aspect. And for training, because the training then changes our character and helps us to stay on the right path. And that's what's important to understand. Training doesn't end... In a, in a designated time frame that you and I have set up. It's not, our, it's not our choice when the training's over. Our training started the day we accepted Christ as our Savior. We said, we're going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you, Lord. And he says, come on, let's go. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's go. Then you just keep going. There's the faith aspect of it. Day in, day out, trudge in, trudge out, journey along the way. You stay with God. That's the training. Ups, downs. Ups, down. Up, down. Jeff was describing, I was asking him to describe his trip to New York. Um, and they went to some building where the stairs were like that. You went up ways and down and up like this. It was kind of a, this kind of a thing. I can't imagine trying to walk that. <laughs> That'd be crazy. And, and it went really, really high. Well, that's the way life is. You're just going to keep walking. The good, the good news is you're moving, making forward progress. So that's the training. Keep working. You're going to keep learning. You're going to keep falling down. You're going to keep getting up. And you're going to keep walking. You can't stop. 
You can't let finances stop you. You can't let family stop you. You can't let jobs stop you. You can't let any of that stop you. You got your health. You got to keep getting up. You may be knocked down, but you're not out. You may be down, but you're not out. Get up. You can get up. And he goes on to say in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Every good work. Nothing more needed. You are equipped, fully furnished, ready to go. Ha! Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. That's what you need. That's what we need in life. Is to allow the Word of God daily as a leader develop you. So that you are ready then to handle uh, teaching. And you are ready to be reproofed. You've got to be reproofed. We all need it. We all need correction. And when you get the correction, get your feet back on the right path. And then begin to train and keep walking and train and keep walking. Don't quit. Elizabeth Elliot was married to Jim Elliot, who worked with the Anka, I believe it's called Anka Indians in the, uh, in the uh, Central America. Anyway, was killed on the mission field, taking Christ to them. She made this statement. The Word of God I think of as a straight edge, which shows up our own crookedness. Isn't that a great phrase? We can't really tell how crooked our thinking is until we line it up with the straight edge of Scripture. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I don't know what else that means other than I need to make sure that what I'm doing and trying to convince myself I'm doing needs to match up to the Word of God. Revelation 22, 18 and 19, and I, and I use this verse to close based on my opening story about from Pastor Thomas. In Revelation 22 it says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and I do not want God to look at me and say, Okay, Harold, why did you teach them this when the, my word clearly said this? Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher of yesteryear, was asked to defend the Bible. He said, The Word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend the lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose. The lion will defend itself. And I believe that about the Word of God. Let the Word of God loose in your life. Let the Word of God penetrate into that hardness and that hurt. Whatever it is that you need Him for. Let His Word penetrate in there to help you. Because He stands ready. He stands ready. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask you this morning.
We as leaders need to embrace your scripture. And the fact that you breathe that scripture into us for reproof and for correction, for teaching, for training. God, may we embrace that every day as we open your word, as we hear from you and your spirit prompts us, would we then be able to allow that word to penetrate us so that, so that at the end of the day, we're better than when we started. Oh, Father, we're going to make mistakes. And, Father, life is tough on us. You knew that. You still know that. It's the main reason you sent Jesus. And I'm so grateful that you sent His Word, Your Word, so that from it we can grow, from it we can be nourished, and from it we can be saved. So God, is there one here today that just needs to redirect their heart to You? Would You encourage them to do it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.